From Miami Law, I'm Annette Uges, and this is The Explainer. Here's the problem with non-unanimity, right? If I'm if I'm charged with illegally dumping debris right. on the side of I-95, which is essentially literally on a large scale, and I go to trial, that literally that littering charge, I can only be found guilty if my jury is unanimous for littering, right? But now we want to take the ultimate penalty, where is the execution of another human being for this crime, and render it non-unanimous. It, it just boggles my mind that we want to step back into that, because if we want to be sure about what's going on, if we want to be fair about what's going on, it's, it has to be unanimous. Welcome to Season 10 of the Miami Law Explainer, the legal affairs podcast where Miami law experts lend context and historical relevance to today's headlines. In Florida, the Republican governor is pushing for changes to the death penalty. Today on our show, Innocence Clinic director Craig Trochino examines the developments. Morning, Craig. Good morning. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me again. So uh, let's start with what changes Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is vowing to enact to make Florida number one in executions. Well, uh, there's been a uh, new bill filed, um, and it's almost as if they uh, looked at the United States Supreme Court case in Hearst versus Florida and decided to completely uh, forget about it and rewrite the statute in pretty plain violation of it. Uh, so, and, and what's that statute? The death penalty statute, the statute that deals with how death penalties are decided by juries and judges. Um, so to understand where this change goes, we kind of have to understand where we were before. So in 2016, the United States Supreme Court decided a case, Hearst versus Florida, which said that the Florida death penalty statute, the scheme, the way it works here in Florida was unconstitutional. Uh, under the Sixth Amendment. For the purposes of this particular <laughs> circumstance, it has to deal with the right to trial by jury. Perfect. And, and, and more specifically here, that the fact that the juries, juries should be unanimous and that the juries need to find elements of the crime. And more specifically than that, the jurors need to find elements that enhance the maximum of the sentence. Okay. So, for instance, uh, in, uh, in a case called Apprendi, uh, there was a it was a racially motivated crime, and the crime got enhanced by the racial motivation. The jury didn't find racial motivation; only the judge did. And the United States Supreme Court said any element that enhances and increases the statutory maximum of the sentence has to be found unanimously by the jury. Years go by; it gets applied to death penalty cases, and it comes to to, to roost in Florida in in the Hearst case. And the scheme that we had in place then was non unanimous recommendations by the jury to the judge. So the jury would recommend a sentence of life or death, and the judge would make specific findings to justify the sentence, whether it be life or or justify a death sentence. Um, Since those findings that made the death sentence possible needed to be found by the jury, not the judge, and in our previous scheme, the judge was finding it, not the jury, the United States Supreme Court said, foul, that violates the Sixth Amendment because that element needs to be found by the jury. Florida changes its death penalty scheme, which is the scheme we currently have now that says it has to be unanimous and the jury's the jury is the one who makes the decision on death or life and the judge cannot override a life sentence to death. The judge can override 
or I guess the better word is underride a death sentence and, and, and issue a life sentence, but can't do it the other way around. So that's where we were. Right. Unanimity. Um, and where this is, where this new bill is doing is taking us backwards because the language of the new bill takes the, the, the decision from the jury refers to the jury as a, uh, uh, um, issuing a recommendation, uh, to the judge, not a sentence, a recommendation to the judge tells the jury it needs to recommend life or death. And then most specifically, and most, most importantly, which is where I think the really unconstitutional part of this is, it says that notwithstanding the jury's recommendation, whether it be life or death, the judge has to make further decisions on whether the sentence should be life or death. And if the judge decides death, the judge shall make findings in writing to support the death sentence. So now it's taking that fact finding that the United States Supreme Court very clearly in an eight to one opinion said shall be done by the jury. It's taking it away from the jury again and putting back into the hands of the judge. And it's allowing the judge once again to override a life recommendation and issue a death sentence with re without regard to the jury. Right. So the jury just becomes window dressing to mm -hmm. a sentence, to a sense. Uh, in their decision because the judge is not bound by anything the jury decides in the death penalty context. Okay. Anything else that DeSantis is, is trying to... Well, there's the, the attempt to attempt to expand the universe of crimes that are death penalty eligible, uh, which is problematic because the Eighth Amendment... Now we're talking about the Eighth Amendment. There's another another amendment that's getting... that That gets in the way of the state, which is the state sanctioned, um, ex, you know, murder of, of people, uh, which is the Eighth Amendment, which is the bar on cruel and unusual punishment. Uh, and in order for death penalty schemes to be consistent with the Eighth Amendment, the way that jurisprudence has, has played out over the years, is that there should there's there's supposed to be narrowing uh, and narrowing that it's not only narrowing the types of crimes that are eligible, but the types of people who commit those crimes that are eligible. So when we start broadening. Uh, we're running afoul of of uh, you know Eighth Amendment jurisprudence in here, and the, and he's attempting to uh, use uh, certain non non homicide cases that will uh, ostensibly be death penalty qualified. I don't know that that necessarily would pass Eighth Amendment muster if it got litigated at the Supreme Court either. For instance, for instance, the the child sexual battery. And isn't there another one? Maybe it's already passed. Um, the attempted murder of a law enforcement officer or a first responder. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it it seems my reading of the Eighth Amendment jurisprudence is that non homicides, uh, where 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 death doesn't result in it, um, are not are not Eighth Amendment eligible for the death penalty. Littering. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. Not littering. Um, so I, I guess uh, Governor. Well, DeSantis actually, it's funny you should say littering. Okay, so here's here's the problem with non-unanimity, right? If I'm if I'm charged with illegally dumping debris right. on the side of I-95, which is essentially literally on a large scale, and I go to trial, that literally that littering charge, I can only be found guilty if my jury is unanimous for littering. Right. But now we want to take the ultimate penalty, where is the execution of another human being for this crime and render it non-unanimous. It, it just boggles my mind that we want to step back into that, because if we want to be sure about what's going on, if we want to be fair about what's going on, it's, it has to be unanimous because justice is the constant and consistent application of the law. 
And if we go to a situation where eight to four willy nilly and the judge doesn't like the eight to four, they can still they can still override and sentence to death anyway. Then how can we be assured of any any unanimity? Right. I mean, excuse me, any 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 fairness or constancy or right. consistency? And the because jury that, is superfluous. Jury superfluous, and those decisions will be different based on ge- geography in the state of Florida. Sure. I can virtually guarantee that. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess Governor DeSantis is not untroubled by the 2008 Supreme Court ruling that imposed a death sentence that found that imposing a death sentence on a child rapist is unconstitutional. So is he relying on on the current court, conservative court, maybe to overturn or is this just political? Uh, it could conceivably be, a, I mean, a combination of both. I, I, I'm, I'm a lawyer. I, I deal with the law. I, I tend not to try and divine what politicians are doing from a legal point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll just, I can, I just be in the position of telling you that this const, this, this bill is unconstitutional, um, and will cost Florida a lot of money to attempting to defend, and they will ultimately fail at defending it because I don't think even with the courts, this particular court's makeup uh, in the Supreme Court, they're going to recede from Hearst on it. And this is inv- this, in my view, uh, is a violation of Hearst versus Florida. So this move doesn't really track with his tough on crime record, as he's only signed three death warrants in his four years as governor. As the publication The Hill wrote, a paltry number for a Republican politician in a state long known for its enthusiastic embrace of capital punishment. Well, I <laughs> look, I don't want to be in the position of of dismissing the fact that not many deaths warrants have been signed. I think that's a good thing. I don't think that implicates his lack of toughness on crime. He just recently signed a death death warrant. But we can look at some of the th- other things that have happened to uh, increase tough on crime bona fides, like, oh, I don't know, re- arresting people who are attempting to vote, uh, which there are three cases that are pending in Florida. And I think he's lost all three in the states appealing them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, on top of that, those people were facing jail when other people in other jurisdictions with other uh, political makeups were, you know, slapped on the wrist and fined and gotten probation and, and done with. So I don't I, I don't think the lack of death warrants is a declaration of ease on crime. Uh, because there's many things that are are happening that that would lead one to believe that w- while that's happening behind the scenes, there are other because there's new crimes. There's crimes that sent that could potentially sentence people to felony uh, sanctions that didn't exist before, uh, and some of those crimes are focused on teachers of all places. So yeah, uh, he uh, don't. Don't be lulled into complacency by the lack of death warrants. And I and I'm, I would imagine that there will be more coming uh, because it's not a coincidence that this last this this most recent death warrant was was signed uh, just within a, a week or so of the dropping of this new bill. Well, he says it's because of COVID. Blame COVID for everything, right? God forbid somebody would catch a death, a, 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 vi- a virus, a, a virus that causes death before you get a chance to, to be, before you get a chance to execute them. Which is, you know, while we're on that particular subject, it's a truism that the state of Florida will go through Herculean efforts to save somebody's, save a death row prisoner's life just so they can execute them. They'll, you know, have chemotherapy and cancer treatment and revive a heart attack. Uh, just so they can, in six months, 
put a needle in their arm. You know, this yeah. sometimes sometimes the absurdity of it all is 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 too much. Mm-hmm. So you sat through and gave commentary on the Parkland shooter case where a jury delivered a life sentence to the killer in the deadliest high school shooting in U.S. history. How much does the verdict, the jury verdict, move DeSantis in the case, and how much is maybe aimed to bolster his presidential red meat bona fides? Oh, I think uh, the vast majority of this is motivated by the Parkland verdict. If if uh, that verdict comes out, death penalty, we're we're not sitting here having this particular discussion. And what I was going to say earlier about it is one of the things that's interesting is is reg- notwithstanding the fact that Governor DeSantis keeps talking about. This one one rogue juror derailed this whole sentence. It was nine to three, mm-hmm. right? Which is which makes this eight to four uh, on the new bill not narrowly, necessarily coincidental. Mm-hmm. Eight to four was chosen for a reason because if it was nine to three, the Parkland verdict is still, still the Parkland verdict. But if it's eight to four, the Parkland verdict is not the Parkland verdict. Oh, got it. So the eight to four wasn't just thought of out of thin air. That was thought of for a reason. And this is the reason. The shocking thing about all this is, is, you know, it it gets put in context of uh, we need we need justice for the Parkland uh, crime, because if there if any case ever in the history of the world cries out for the death penalty, it's this particular one that may or may not be the case. Um, But the fact of the matter is we had a jury. The jury did their job. They followed the instructions. They listened to the evidence and they rendered their verdict. And if there is going to be a jury system in the United States and we're going to have a a criminal justice system in the United States, one thing has to happen. We have to be able to rely on the outcomes of the jury. And when we don't like it, that's just the way it is. That's the result of the jury verdict system. Um, and it's also important to note that every jury verdict is a narrow, discrete slice of time that those 12 people listening to that exact evidence in that particular courtroom at that particular time went into a room and came to a resolution. Those confluence of circumstances in that exact order and in that exact way is never going to happen again. But in order to in order to give context to what Thomas Jefferson said, Thomas Jefferson said, trial by jury is the only anchor ever yet imagined by man to hold the government to the principles of its constitution. In order to give body to that, we have to have juries to hold the, government's, or the government to the principles of its constitution. And in so doing, we have to be able to rely on the, the verdicts and the decisions the jurors make. Otherwise, if we're in the position of disregarding jury verdicts that we don't like, it's anarchy. But they can't claw back the Parkland shooting verdict. No, no, it's the gone. verdict is the verdict. Yeah, and and there's a couple of things going on here. Y- you hear people talk about, well, there was no justice here, um, but he pled guilty to the crime almost immediately. He's sentenced to to, to life, which you, you can look at it one way. You can look at life without the possibility of parole, or you can look at it as death by incarceration. Because when somebody gets convicted of first degree murder in the state of Florida, you are leaving prison in a box. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. You are going to die in prison. The only question is when will you die and by whose hand? So to say that because there's no death penalty in this particular case, he, quote, got away with it and is not getting justice is short-sighted in my view. 
Uh, on top of that, you, you know, this is this has been presented as you know a way to to you know honor uh, the victims of of the Parkland massacre. Um, but we forget that the same week that this bill dropped, the uh, constitutional carry bill dropped, which are going to put more guns and more assault rifles in the hands of less qualified people on the street than ever before. Um, and I think that is an affront to all the survivors and the survivors' families of the Parkland massacre. Some of those parents are doing amazing work on gun control and gun lobby, continue to do amazing work. If you really want to honor their memory and their work, let's not worry about death penalty statutes. Let's get guns off the street. Yeah, exactly. So if these changes all become law enacted, Florida is like the number one state in exonerations and people getting off death row. How is that going to affect that well, equation? <laughs> Yeah, there have been 30 people exonerated from death row uh, in Florida, uh, and the majority of those people who were exonerated from death row were exonerated after a non-unanimous death penalty vote by a jury. Um, so they tend to get it wrong, mm -hmm. um, right? I mean, the non-unanimity tends to over-include people on death row who shouldn't who shouldn't be there. So I I can only suspect that if this goes and with the judicial override too coming back, uh, that there will be more exonerations from, from, from death row. It also places Florida, um, as, as a significant outlier, uh, throughout the country in states that still do have the death penalty. The only other state that has a non-unanimous scheme is Alabama, um, and will join Alabama, um, in here. And then with, you know, eight to four and back to, uh, the judge make the judge making findings, which the United States Supreme court, again, in Hearst versus Florida said the judge shall not make those findings. The jury shall. What next? Oh, don't ask that. <laughs> Anything to add in closing? Um, <laughs> no, I don't no. think <laughs> you, sound, you seem disappointed that I don't have anything to add. Hey, I appreciate you coming and talking with us. I appreciate you having me. Thank you. All right. See you around. Bye. Thanks for joining us for The Explainer and a whole new season of Explaining. If you enjoy our show, leave us a five-star review with your podcast provider and ask your friends to subscribe. You can always drop us a comment at explainer at miami.edu. Our show is engineered and edited by Christopher Alzadi with theme music composed by Rady Kim from the Frost School of Music. I'm your host, Annette Uges. Today's show is sponsored by the upcoming lecture, Bruce's Beach, a path to reparations for black dispossession with the attorney who fought to return a black beach taken by the county in the 1920s to the original owner's ancestors. February 22nd on the University of Miami campus. For more information, visit law.miami.edu. Thank you.